Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacebiz.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hello and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Cynthia Morrow, who is founder and CEO of Covet, which is a jewellery access platform. Cynthia, welcome to the Platform Podcast. Thank you, Elle. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. And I'm looking forward to hearing about Covet. Now, I was interested by the fact you described it to me just before we started recording as a jewellery access platform. I'm I'm more used to terms like maybe rental or or sharing. Tell me a bit more about that definition. Okay, so Covet was the first platform to launch back in late 2018, uh, providing shared ownership of fine jewelry. So the first time in the world that had been made available where we offer our customers a 20% share in a coveted piece. And then we provide all the services, insurance, cleaning, logistics, maintenance, um, sanitization. So that all they do is wear and enjoy their piece. They get it every month. And, um, you know, so they have access to it for its lifetime, not just theirs. So it's a it's an asset that can be gifted in the future. So that and they have access to to the vault to borrow other pieces. So it's all about the access. And then last year we launched our subscription service, which provides access without any type of ownership. Right. Okay. So the original concept is maybe similar. And what I'm thinking of, and correct me if I'm wrong, is almost a bit like timeshare where you you own a stake in something which allows you to have it occasionally. Is that a a good analogy? Yeah, I think timeshare is like a once in a year proposition where fractional ownership uh, of a house would offer you much more access to it. So again, with with our our model, we're giving access every month to the owners, to their piece. That's a brilliant idea. And I want to hear a bit more about how you came up with this and how <laughs> Covet was founded. I know that uh, you you have uh, you have roots in Silicon Valley, so it doesn't surprise me that you've come up with such a great business idea. Well, thank you. So, um, you know, the, the story of how it happened happened about 15 years ago. In fact, I had just Uh, finished uh, at business school. Uh, I was in a joint program between Columbia Business School and Haas Berkeley in Silicon Valley. And throughout my time there, I kept coming up with business ideas and uh, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was at a dinner with some friends and we we were showing off our jewelry or talking about our jewelry. And a friend of mine was teasing me about this watch I own and saying you know who's going to pay that much for a watch and then she said well to be fair my husband did give me a diamond necklace and you know we're all thinking it's a necklace with a diamond on it and then later she comes down from her safe and and brings out this riviera necklace that was just incredible Mm -hmm. and we all wanted to try it on so then (laughs) we came up with the idea of why not share our jewelry and 
you know, at that time, 15 years ago, uh, you know, it's a mindset shift. Um, people weren't really in that mindset yet. In fact, I had I had a business idea to do peer to peer rental of clothing back then. And, you know, everyone kept saying to me, no one's going to do. That. <laughs> and they were right. No one's going to do it then. But mm. of course, they're doing it now. And so, you know, it was it was an idea ahead of its time. Uh, but as I decided to leave my career in global management consulting, I decided I, I was going to take a shot at it. It's a, it does certainly have that effect, that um, that proper sort of diamond thing, doesn't it? Because I remember doing, um, when I worked in advertising, I remember uh, doing um, a job for a, a, a jeweler, a, an amazing jeweler, and, you know, thinking, gosh, you know, that's not really my thing. That's not really my style. Walked in and, and they said, would you like to try on this? And it was an emerald and diamond bracelet <laughs> and put it on. And it was almost like, you know, like in a cartoon where your eyes just start sort of swimming and I couldn't, I couldn't tear my eyes off it. There's just something wonderful about the those real jewels, that real sparkle, isn't there? It's quite hypnotic. There really is. And I think the one thing that I, I love about what we're doing is we're providing so much more access to people so they can enjoy these beautiful pieces. And and what's interesting is every time we hold an event, I'm always I'm always surprised at how people it's it's almost like your experience, Al, where people say oh no that's not really me and then they see someone else try it on and they're like oh wait a minute <laughs> now, let me try it on and it you know it generates such uh, joy and excitement and i think you know the the one factor about jewelry is the more it costs the less you wear it so unless it's an engagement ring the higher the price the lower the utilization and that's why sharing makes so much sense for jewelry and what you're doing is democratizing the the access to that experience presumably um so tell me a bit more about actually when when you set up the company and also how you evolved that offering from the sort of shared ownership into the subscription well you know i think uh covid plays a part in this story obviously because we launched at the end of 2018 as i mentioned and you know, I I was really keen on shared ownership. I had some younger people who were on my team who were more keen on subscription. And, um, you know, we decided to, to continue with the shared ownership. And we were doing that for about a year. And most of our customers came through events. And they'd have to come to three, four, or five events before they would pull the trigger because even though you're not paying ten thousand pounds for a piece you're paying two thousand so it's not something you're just going to decide you know on a whim to 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 buy and i think they had to get to know us they had to feel that we were trustworthy that we weren't going to go bankrupt or you know run off with our money (laughs) and so you know the sales cycle was such a long time a lot of effort high cost and and so we decided that we would pivot slightly from d to c and bring in jewelry partners and we did that right when the first lockdown happened so during lockdown we really struggled because we weren't able to have events and even the online ones we did weren't weren't really up to the same experience as the the in real life and Mm. i think a lot of people are already experiencing that and so during the summer Last summer, when we weren't locked down, we we found a, about uh, 
15 people to try out a subscription service and we did kind of you know friends of friends and um you know we we beta tested it and everyone loved it and thought it was such a great idea and they also which was another interesting thing tended to fall in love with one thing and so that sort of for us said oh well that's an interesting gateway to one selling the jewelry or two selling shares in the jewelry mm. and so um we decided to launch it in september of this year and um you know people are very very excited about it it's more accessible in terms of cost you can you can buy an annual subscription which is two loans for 300 pounds to try it out and then up to 12 loans a year for 1200 pounds so it's more accessible it allows you to try so many different brands designers pieces so it can really expand your horizons in terms of what kind of jewelry uh, you're interested in and the the actual inventory the stock the mm -hmm. the jewelry is that owned by cover or is it consignment or how how does that work because it is similar to some of the the, the fashion rental platforms and I'm, I'm actually using one called on loan at the moment where it's the same thing it's a monthly subscription and 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 in a way it it, it really resonates what you're saying because I have rented something and I'm thinking oh I would quite like this and there is that option to buy mm -hmm. um so th with the actual inventory who who owns that because it's not a peer-to-peer -peer model is it well, <laughs> it, it, the vision is for it to be able to have that as an opportunity for our our customers to be to also monetize jewelry they may own that they don't perhaps Ooh. wear anymore. Um, we do that now. We we just haven't taken anything yet. Part of it is because if they're one of a kind pieces, we'd rather not take on that risk um, for their sake because mm -hmm. we we can pay them because we'll insure it if something happens, but it's not going to replace it. But your your question is a good one. I, when we started out, we were basically uh, with shared ownership. We don't own anything until we have several of the co-owners signed up, and then we purchase the piece. So we we ended up with some pieces in our vault that were partially co-owned, and we we started out with that as our vault for our subscription platform. And then we decided to see if we could bring on some jewelers who were interested in consigning because for them, they feel that it's a great way for their jewelry to get out there, be worn, be seen, be talked about. And of course, once you try something, you know, there is that tendency again to fall in love with it. So, um, so at least two thirds of our vault, our subscription vault is consigned. And then the other third, Covet, owns the pieces. So you really are kind of, you're covering every, you know, potential area of, of the, the sharing economy in, in one platform. You've got this sort of shared ownership, the, the access um, instead of ownership rental model, and, and potentially now this peer-to-peer -peer as, as well. That's, um, that's impressive. Well, you know, it's a big vision. And I think the thing about a big vision, as, as you and I were talking about earlier, is that you have to, you know, you're, you're waiting in some ways for the, the for society and consumers to sort of catch up with the cha changing of the mindset, because this is a totally different mindset around jewelry ownership. And I always like to say, 
for sentimental and everyday jewelry, you should own it for everything else. There's covet because mm -hmm. if you're not wearing it all the time, why would you put mm -hmm. all that money invested into a piece of something that may not return that investment? Mm -hmm. So you talk about the financial side of it, the benefit mm -hmm. there. Um, that's that's almost like a kind of um, an obvious one, isn't it? Right. In, in terms of other benefits and the way that you communicate to your audience and your potential customers, how do you get across the benefits? What are the other benefits of this? And I, I wondered particularly, and, and it's not to say that every sharing platform or rental platform has to have a sustainability, um, you know, aside to it, but I, I wondered what other benefits there are in, in doing this, because obviously it means that a piece is, is worn. Um, one, one, piece of jewelry is worn by more people so more use is being got out of an individual thing but I'm, I'm just wondering what what other benefits there are to to both the the users maybe the environment to to other you know other benefits yeah I think I think what what you mentioned Al in terms of the sustainability angle is really the fact that the utilization goes way up so you know with with pieces that are continually being shared you're not having to produce new people, new mm. pieces for the for those people to enjoy them and have them. As far as you know, how we deliver our service, you know, we use reusable packaging, so it gets delivered in a beautiful box and a pouch. But that that box is not kept with the person; it's kept with the piece, so it gets collected and we we reuse that. Um, we we deliver most of the jewelry and people are going to laugh at this probably on public transport or you know by motorcycle courier <laughs> so you know we're trying to keep our our footprint down in terms of uh the delivery aspect and i i think people i think one of the other things is we have a lot of our jewelers who are really focused on being sustainable jewelers so we have jewelers who, you know, use recycled and fair trade gold. They know the provenance and and um, everything about the gemstones they are they are purchasing to put into their jewelry. Many of them only work with uh, artisanal miners, and so so um, they're really trying to take good care to make sure their jewelry is ethical and sus as sustainable as it can be. And so, you know, you put that all together in the platform and what you have is you have a, a better way of owning something via share or accessing something because of the fact that, um, you know, you're not, we're not having to uh, basically use a lot of other resources to continue to make more yeah. and more jewelry. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. Um, so obviously, this is marketplace risk. And um, we, we, who would we be if we didn't ask you about the risks? So obviously, these are very high value items. Do, are people nervous about getting involved in this? Because um, they are worried that, you know, they might damage it, they might get stolen if people are, you know, have a part share in something? Do they worry about what other people who have a share in it might do. How do you build in that that trust um, to the platform, and what and what do you do in terms of insurance and and risk management? You know, it's a really good question, and of course, it has many facets, right? So, if you talk about um, one, I think one of the main deterrents right now for people to sign on board and actually do it is that worry 
about, well, I don't own it. What if I do something to it? What if I damage it? What if I lose it? What if it gets stolen? Um, you know, that's the first thought. And so that comes up in a lot of uh, surveys we've done around, you know, what keeps people from actually signing up, signing up. And, you know, we do a lot of education as we, you know, we're, we're onboarding our customers or, or inviting them to events about how we insure the pieces for loss, theft, damage, how, you know, they, they themselves um, have certain terms and conditions they have to follow, but every single person is vetted um, using both identity checks as well as, you know, looking at if, if in fact they've had any criminal activity. So we, we do a very in-depth uh, look at people. And so they know they're going through that process and they know all our customers go through that process. So if they worry about themselves first, they worry about the other co-owners or, or people who are within the system uh, as well. And they know that they're going through these checks validations. We also meet them before we ever hand them any jewelry. So we know they are who they say they are, even though we've checked them and that, you know, they live where they say they live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, you've just mentioned that, that this is, you know, a barrier or concern. Mm-hmm. And um, another one I'm imagining, and we've just touched on this um, a few minutes ago, but I'd like to explore it a bit further, is is the stigma. Because when it comes to the luxury sector, there's probably a bit more that can be done to, uh, you know, increase the amount of people that are, are accessing rather than owning or, or in participating in the sharing economy. And Again, you and I have talked about how it is the high net worth individuals mm-hmm. um, who are, you know, who have the biggest carbon footprints. And it, it's, um, you know, it, that it, in that sense, it may, you know, it's obvious why they have more money. They're likely to travel more they're more likely to buy more things. And mm-hmm. actually, in last week's podcast, I spoke to Eamon Galvin, who is at the Sharing Economy Global Summit. Uh, as well as you and he has actually you know been doing some work into you know quantifying that when it comes to the mm-hmm. sharing economy and w- what can be done this this world the luxury world is a, is a tough one to crack isn't it because there's some stigma there I think about not owning something what have you come across in your work with Covet that you know that illustrates that maybe reluctance to be seen to be borrowing something when you maybe want to show that you can afford it well, I think there's a, there's two elements to this. One is there's the element between women and men. So men have been sharing watches, they've been sharing cars, they've been sharing boats, they've been sharing jets. I mean, men have been sharing for a while. So when you tell a man about Covet, um, you typically get a much more, um, oh, that's brilliant, you know, and, and no, no blockers there. They're not even worried about it, right? It's just, and men may have a higher risk tolerance. Uh, women, I think, have, haven't been sharing as much in terms of luxury goods. And I think that's, that's a bit of a blocker, but I also think it's generational. So as you get, go down to, you know, your millennials and Gen X and Gen Z, Gen Y and Gen Z, you end up having people who are more open to sharing because they want the access and they don't necessarily need to own anything. In fact, you know, you might often hear a quote where, you know, access is the new ownership. And so I think, you know, when we look at our more mature customers, um, 
it's interesting too because they we've done focus groups and we've had all ages in there when you look at people who let's say are over 40 they they would say oh yes i I'd, i'd try sharing and then when you ask the question well would you tell other people you were sharing it <laughs> and they all said yes and then the younger the younger uh participants all said no they wouldn't tell other people oh. but they would definitely share they would definitely do it because they want access to interesting beautiful jewelry i thought that was as well and so i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure what that says as a at a deeper level <laughs> That yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Yes, I must uh, maybe explore that a bit further because right. I was under the assumption that you know this this world of you know especially with with sort of fashion you know we're seeing as you say that kind of you know thanks it's rented access and instead of ownership these hashtags on social media uh, you know I, I I was sensing a certain pride in the fact that people were you know being seen to to be doing something in a different way and. Um, you know, uh, I was hoping that w- that would be the case. So that's certainly um, one for further discussion. I want to hear briefly, Cynthia, just about Covet. Um, your your accent might suggest that this is a US platform, but you are based in London. And so tell me where you're operating and what your plans are for the future with Covet. Yeah, so we're based in central London in Westminster. And our plans were to prove the model here in London to gain enough traction to get funding to then replicate it out to um, other European cities first um, and then look at our global expansion from there. And uh, these plans, I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned September. This is all very recent. Are you you seeing um, the traction that you're hoping for, especially as we head towards what will hopefully be a Christmas that is a bit more normal than last year? Hopefully, I don't, um, you know, it, it's hard to say at any moment things can, can change. We are seeing a lot of a high, high, high interest. And I think, you know, that for us is the, is the first step at, to, the, to people actually signing on board. And so we don't have the level of traction we had hoped for. But, you know, I always have to remind myself that, well, you know, we've been in strange times. And so... Um, as things pick up, I think thing, the traction will will be there. And do please tell listeners where they can find you and um, whether that's your website address or any social media or anything like that, because I, I would love to to get some people um, exploring the Covet website because it feels like, a, you know, a really, really unique offering in terms of the different types of sharing people can do. Yes, you can find us at www.covet.com cove.tt so interestingly enough my branding person talked me into doing a url that had our name was just our name and so uh the dot tt is trinidad and tobago (laughs) it's registered in but so you can always find it by just cove.tt and then on instagram or facebook we're at covet luxury and it's two t's not like covet the word which it came from because i always said you know i don't have a bucket list i have a covet list because i was (laughs) such a jewelry lover and that's where the name came from i mean i just i do have a list and once i acquired a piece i would 
cross it off the list and add another. So there were always 10 items. On the list. Oh, I love that. And also, I really do not like the expression bucket list. So I'm going to switch mine to a covet list as ah, well, because I've always thought it. that was such a horrible expression. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, so covet. I've now got a covet list too. So hopefully some of our podcast listeners will do the same and also um, explore the website and your social channels and Cynthia thank you so much also thank you for being part of the the global summit uh oh I really enjoyed it I'm so glad yes it was great and it was great to hear what you're doing and and also to have um you know to to add some some glamour to the occasion so uh it was great to to have that too so do join us um at further events and even um online or um on further podcasts it would be great to catch up again and hear how cover is is doing as we move into the new normal hopefully soon I, I would love to do that. And I would also love if the listeners, if they do go and check out Covet, if they want to provide any feedback to me or um, have a conversation to contact me, they can do it through the chat on the website. Great. Or they can also um, get in touch with us at Marketplace Risk and we will pass them on to you. So thanks again, Cynthia, for, for being our guest today. And thank you, Elle. Have a Have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.